0: Hey there, welcome to the RIM Church podcast. We're so glad you found us. The RIM Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message.
1: Good morning! morning. Merry Merry Christmas! All right, that's what I'm talking about. It's that time of year. It's actually quite wonderful. So I'm excited. and I'm always so grateful to be here with all of you. And I know you can feel the presence with us today. You can feel God moving. That's always an invitation. Anytime you start to feel that little thing where God's moving inside you, the hair standing up on the back of your neck, or you start to feel kind of like, I don't even know these songs, and where is it in this piece of paper, and I can't even find it, and then you're like, oh, I don't care anymore, and I'm just going to sing words that make sense to me, and then all of a sudden it rises to something that was more important than you ever thought it would be, and you find yourself more, more than yourself. And so my, my invitation to you is to consider that if God is moving in that way in you this morning, that's because there's a larger invitation for you in this morning, and that beginning this t- at this moment, you start to look for it. I don't know what it is. God knows what it is. And as you begin to discover the best of him, you'll discover things about you you never imagined. My fourth grade teacher was Mr. Elo. Now, Mr. Elo was the coolest. He was like the very first male teacher that I'd ever had. So right from the very beginning, I thought this is going to be great. And I associated everything that Mr. Elo did that was different from any other teacher that I ever had to being because he was male. Turns out that didn't, It wasn't true, but it was actually amazing to learn from him because the best part of Mr. Elo, while he taught us all the things you learn in fourth grade, um, he also taught us to play chess, to use our minds. Uh, And then the other thing that he did was at lunchtime, we had the choice of going out and running around at recess, which I still miss, or we could stay in the classroom and eat, and he would tell us a story. Now what was very cool about Mr. Elo is that if you took a chance on the story, the story was an unfolding story that he told over the course of the entire year. And the way that it would work is you would get your school lunch and you'd get it all ready and he would wait for us like this patient person waiting to drop some bombs on us, right, he was so excited. And we would sit there and we'd get our lunch ready and he would say, okay, are we ready? And we are like, yeah. And then he would turn off the lights in the classroom so that only the sun coming in the window would light the room. And he would turn around to a chalkboard, which I'll ask for those of us that are over a certain age to explain to those of us the other what a chalkboard is, you know. And he would turn around and he would start to draw a simple picture, like an arch. And then he would say, let's begin the story of the claw and we're like oh my gosh the claw right we're freaked out we're in fourth grade right? By the way, for the record, Mr. Elo tells the story for the whole year. Turns out all the light lowers the blinds, pitch dark, has the flashlight, finishing the story, and he gets this thing all the way up to the biggest part of the story, and we're on the edge of our seats, just like Mr. Elo is going to tell us the end of the claw, and he gets really, really quiet, and he's a very soft-spoken man, and we're just like, this, it's dark, it's scary, and he just goes, (laughs) and scares us all to death in the most epic year-long prep for a jump scare of all time. For the longest time, I used to think that was the lamest end of a story ever that we listened to for a year, and then I realized Mr. Elo legit made every part of it up every day. But what I remember is a couple of things. The moment that Mr. Elo came in, and he said, now, Let's tell the story of the claw. We just leaned in and wanted to know everything. And stories are like that, always. I, mean, I want you to think about the real human expression of understanding that stories actually inform so much of who we are, how we think, how we expect. And what's wild about that is to think about why. Why do stories actually matter? How is it that we understand things? Truth is, if you talk to any theologian ever and you keep saying this word, why, 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 Why?" guess what it comes to? Eventually they're like, okay, fine. Once upon a time, and they'll tell you a story about how it affected them and why all the study matters. Stories are the foundation of our understanding of who we are and if you look at the scripture who God is because stories make us ask a question and that question is this is this true and if so what does that even mean would you stand as we read the beginning of a story It's in your uh, bulletin. We'll read together, if you don't mind. Sometimes the best stories we lean into even more are the ones that we already know. So let's read and look for something new this morning in this profound and beautiful story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. We read together. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Stop. What a great opening line. If you're not leaning in yet, something's wrong. We're just, we're reading story like it's wrote, like we've read it too many times. Let's just read that again. But I want you to imagine this is a historical moment where time is going to break. And you're invited right now. Let's read again. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled, yeah, by this statement. Wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mark asked, uh, the, Mary asked the angel, sorry, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. That's crazy. Have a seat. If your mind as a person in 2023 doesn't go, I mean, we grew up with this story. A lot of us, if you grew up in church, raise your hand. If you grew up in the United States, raise your hand. Yeah, like, and you grew up in the world. Okay, so Christmas, this particular story pops up uh, all over the place, and it's got all kinds of things that are attached to it, but it's really an amazing thing. If we're not careful, we'll miss the story because it's familiar. Let's walk through this thing because this is a wild story that asks us to pay close attention and to ask, is this true? And if so, what does it have to do with me? Bible always does that. So let's walk into the world. Come with me into the first century. Walk into a time very different than ours in some ways and very similar in others. When Rome ruled the world... And a young woman in a dark room was trying to figure out what in the world was next in her life. It's fascinating, too, to do that, by the way, when you're studying the Bible, especially stories that are familiar like this, because Mary is portrayed all over the place, right? Especially in a town like San Antonio, uh, Mary of Guadalupe, like you can go, the, like about 40% of our city is Catholic, and so Mary is a very important part of our larger culture. She's everywhere. Except what's interesting is somehow in the Protestant break away, we left her behind. You ever notice that? She's become, in our tradition, a rather small, faithful young girl that had a baby in a miraculous way and then had a troubled relationship with her son until he's on the cross when somehow he mends it with another disciple. And that's about it. But how could that be it if God chose her? How could she be such a small character in so much of our life if God said it's this one and those are the kinds of questions that rattle me I'm like all right. so let's get to know Mary a lot of you probably already know Mary does anybody know how old they know kind of how old Mary was when she died that's recorded all this kind of stuff so they know within a couple of years of how old Mary is at the time that the angel Gabriel comes and visits her does anybody know how old Mary is do you remember from their study hmm 16 years old. That's the most common. 16 years old. Some people say as young as 14. Is there a 16-year-old in here or 14? Girl, by the way. No. Yes. I have to do it to you. I'm sorry, Chloe. Chloe's my good friend. You mind standing up, Chloe, just real quick. Mary. 16. Changes the world. For real. Should we ever doubt God's ability with us? If he can start as young and as sweet and as good as someone like Chloe. But in this case, Mary. But don't miss it. She's a kid. She's young. Hasn't seen much. And it's really wild, like, well, why why did God choose her? Oh, well, she's young, she's a virgin, means she hasn't had sexual relationships, so this is gonna be a miraculous thing. It's an important part if you wanna go study all the religions at the time, why that is a profound piece, very interesting, but not necessarily a part of our day-to-day. Ask me later, I'll do this a lot. Ask me later if you're a super Bible nerd, and I'll tell you why that's a really important part, but it is a very important part, not only for the larger religions of the time, but also from the promises of places like Isaiah, right? Here's what's happening. Happening in the world. And so she rises up because she is a maiden. And so this has to be a miraculous thing from the very beginning. Also, it seems like she's incredibly faithful, right? I mean, have you ever thought like when you were 16 years old and you're just, you're betrothed, which would freak you out and also be exciting because the truth is even when you're older and you are betrothed to someone and you are going to get married and everything is going to change in the best ways, it should freak you out. Because that is a serious commitment, right? It's a covenant for a lifetime that makes all these. And she's in the middle of that. She's 16. Like, that's a big thing. Probably Joseph's a lot older, probably more like 30, which was really common at the time. Maybe 20s, but man, he's older. And so here she is, kind of on the backside of history, quietly trying to be faithful, trying to walk through her life. And she is in her room, Somehow, and so we have all these big images of Mary all around us And what I want us to do is take it right into her room right into that small space and say what would it be like to be Mary? in this moment Because what happens to her on that night is that the angel Gabriel shows up. So say the archangel Gabriel. This is the big, scary angel. And one of my favorite things to look at throughout Scripture is, do you know what angels always say to people when they show up? What's the first thing they say? Don't be afraid, right? Yeah, because I'm going to freak out. Like, the first time the angel Gabriel shows up in my room, which I'm cool if you don't, I can read about it, but if you do, that'd be great too. I'm just saying, like, it, I think, would really freak me out. Gabriel's also supposed to be a warring angel. This is a part of the understanding of who Gabriel is. So when he shows up, he is terrifying. Terrifying. I always like it when you go, like, to the christmas bazaars and stuff and there's the little cute angels that everybody puts on i don't see anything really scary about them how awesome would it be if you would go to a a christmas bazaar and in one of the actual things would be these terrifying angels that were in there i think that would be fun but this is what happens right he shows up and gabriel says oh you mary mary you are truly blessed you are the one you are the chosen you are super special. And when we read the story because we know the end, we're like, yeah, she is. You go, Mary. It's amazing. But if you're Mary, you hear two things. And this is one of the reasons that I really like Mary. One of them is that when we read the story because we know the end, we're like, of course she says, let it be with me. She sings this beautiful song, which we'll get to. She has this really faithful response. That's all really good and kind. But her first response is my response in two different ways. Here's the first response that she makes. The first thing is that says, she questions Gabriel because she's like, what kind of blessing is this? Like if you know scripture, and you, many of you do, deeply know scripture, right? And you know these stories. Think Moses. Think uh, Deborah, think Isaiah, think them all, right? And then the age Gabriel shows up. You know for sure God's speaking to you, and it says your name, whatever that might be, and says, oh, you are chosen for this beautiful thing. You know how these things go. You're going to be like, really? I mean, yay, I don't want to be weird, but like, I, I would like to know what we're actually talking about. And she does. She says, well, kind of what do you mean? Here's what I love about Mary. She, from the very beginning, is very, very normal in a lot of ways. We've made her, venerated her, and for some good reason, because of the story that's about to be told. But in this case, she's very, very normal. You remember there's another story, so there's 10 maidens, right? And they all have to keep their Um, keep the oil in their their lamps, right? These maidens are everywhere. Faithful maidens of Israel are all over the place. You go into Galilee and there are all these villages filled with young ladies that are betrothed to young men. This is what's going on. That's not that big of a deal. That she knows all the scripture, that's not that big of a deal. That she's really faithful in the face of Gabriel, you probably would be too, even though you'd probably like me ask several questions because if Gabriel actually showed up, God on earth, or in, in this form, Came to you in this way and was convincing enough that you knew it was him, you'd be like, All right, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'll, okay. Right? So, none of that is all that special. What's special about Mary? What's special about Mary is in the face of it all, she asks the human question. She's able to stand in the glory of God in Gabriel and still have enough sense to say, What does this mean? There is incredible grit and power in this woman. You know how else I know that? Here's a little bit of ruining Christmas for you. There's no donkey in the Christmas story. It doesn't exist. Every time you imagine Mary coming to Jerusalem or Bethlehem eventually on a donkey because she's so pregnant... That'd be like saying, and then Mary, who later is so poor they have to bring the two doves to make the sacrifice, is riding in a Mercedes uh, limousine on the way to actually that's not, that's what a donkey was at that time. You want to know how Mary, nine months pregnant, shows up in Bethlehem? She walks. Yes, that's the right face. She is able to stand fully human, openly honest, as an unknown girl, like so many other girls, except this grit. So here's this invitation to you. Do you feel like this unknown person with your, your life just kind of out in front of you and nobody sees you and you're just like everybody else and you're worried that while you're driving in traffic to your job or driving from it that you don't even really have any purpose and you're trying to figure out why everybody else is smarter than you, everybody else is better looking than you, everybody else has all this other kind of stuff and is there any real meaning for me in my life? Mary had those thoughts. And you know what God thought about her with all of those thoughts? Hey heaven, that one. She's perfect for this job. So right away, what I have to say is if you're feeling particularly human this morning, if you're questioning the whole thing, try to figure out what's coming. I don't know what the job is. I don't know what the thing will be, simple or complex, deeply sacrificial, or wildly simple. Whether it'll be on your way home, the way that you react to somebody in the, in the grocery store, or the, the moment that you say I'm willing to give it all right now to go to mission in Africa. I don't know what it'll be, I don't know. But I promise, as normal as you feel, so Mary did, which means you are perfect for the job. That God has in mind for you. Perfect. Do not discount yourself. God never will. You are extraordinary and ideal and beautiful and wondrous and gifted and strong and capable right now, especially in your vulnerability. right? It's, it's the picture of who we are. It's the picture of what God wants us to be. What we do is we get caught up in what we think about ourselves in comparison to other people that are around us and TikTok, right? We, we have this like crushing pressure to be something that God's like, good grief, you're not that. You're so much bigger and better. There's no way Mary could have known It's the whole song that's overplayed over and over in the mall. Mary, did you know the answer is absolutely not? (laughs) Because if she did, oh, Mary, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to be crucified on a cross. I think the brakes come on for me. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That last part, could you go over it again? I don't. I don't know. I have four children. No way. I'm fist fighting everybody, even Gabriel. <laughs> and I know I'll lose. That's fine. I'm just saying. If you're normal, if you're human. If you're thinking less of yourself, if you're in a quiet, dark room and you're not really sure, if you're too young, if you're not smart enough, you're not good looking enough, you didn't get the promotion, whatever it might be, the stuff that the enemy is whispering in your ear to discount you in the world, they're lies. They're just lies. And they're trying to make you become the person you hate. Listless and nervous but Mary she invites us to a different kind of story to say I don't have to be Mary Mary was Mary (laughs) we used to say in our house all the time right you know you have to be yourself everybody else is taken and discovering that is the great joy of our lives Mary has that discovery so the second part is, she has this very honest answer. And the second part, I think, is fascinating for me because it's what I think about in this story all the time. Because people will say, well, was was Mary really a virgin? Is that real? Can we trust the Bible? And people are like, and all this other kind of stuff, right? And for the record, absolutely. I have no question about this. The more that I study the Bible, the more real it gets. I've spent almost 20 years in Israel and I'm watching the Bible come up out of the ground in my lifetime. And so over and over and over it gets affirmed in beautiful historical ways. I got No problem with this. But Mary, she has a problem. You ever notice that? The very first person that ever hears about the Virgin Mary is Mary. And she's like, bro, that doesn't work. That isn't a thing. You can't actually be a virgin and have a baby. I love that she tells Gabriel this information. (laughs) But if you've ever had that thought, okay, you're just like Mary again. Part one, you're unknown. Part two, you got honest questions. That's part of the story. So is it true? Hmm. That's interesting, right? Because then truth becomes more about facts and meaning and power and invitation than ever it was about the ridiculous smallness that we make things at times. Is Mary's story true? Yeah. We can walk right into it. You ever felt human and alone? You ever felt incapable and small? Yeah, that's true. But have you also known that somehow in the deepest part of you that your story is bigger than it is? That there's a purpose that's more than what you're experiencing right now. That you know deep down that there is an uncomforted disquiet in you that says there is something more coming. Almost like you're homesick for something you can't quite put your hands on. I read recently that if you're not homesick for heaven your entire life, then you're not paying attention. And that when you see the moments of it break into your life, it will actually make you homesick for more. You'll always live a disquieted life, questioning and wondering, looking for what's true. And the story of Mary invites us again into that. Mary is completely human, but the gritty part of her helps her to be the person invited to do this particularly magnificent thing. And She says yes. And here's the, like, challenge, right? How she says yes. We didn't read it. Go read it later. She says yes in what is traditionally called the Magnificat. It just means magnify, right? My life will magnify you, is what she basically says. And she spills out all this scripture. Her story, her song is basically saying as much scripture as she possibly can in the shortest amount of time. She's like, Genesis, Deuteronomy, First and Second Samuel, bang, 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 bang. It's like this big, dense scripture burst that comes out of her. So it's almost like she says, I'm not sure if I can handle this. And Gabriel's like, no, you can't. It's not up to you to handle it. God's going to handle it. That's what you need to worry about. By the way, that's what you need to worry about. If you're thinking, the big invitation of my life is something I can't do, then you're perfect uh, because God meets you wherever you are and does the rest of the work, which is an extraordinary thing. She gets that. Then she starts growing up into this idea and she realizes, like she can feel her heart swell. She can feel the identity thing kind of banging around in her head. She's like, I think this is what I'm actually made for. This is the next one step I got to take is just say yes to one night I am built for this and so what happens to her is this expression of scripture and I ask myself this what would be my expression like would I be full of scripture which begs a question that's borderline inappropriate what am I full of Honestly, you know that you find out what you're full of when you get bumped and you spill. What Mary finds out, she gets bumped, she spills the word of the Lord. And I'm like, and again, that's why God says, Heaven, it's this one. Because her response to the world that is around her is all the scripture that she knows. It's funny, too, because I think that's the best response very often. It's only really happened to me once. I got to go. Uh, we were in Jerusalem, and it was the very first time that I got to go to the Western Wall. And while we were at the Western Wall, there was this experience that I had where there was this guy and, uh, right in front of me. And, and what happens is if you're at the Western Wall, there's a men and women's side. And uh, for the record, my, I can hear my daughter in my mind right now. She says, why is the Western Wall, the side for the women, one third of the side for the men when there are twice as many women as there are men at the wall every time we've been? And I'm always like, baby, I don't know, and I'm not in charge, but I think it's a good question. <laughs> but you go up, and at this time, there are a lot of people, and so you're kind of waiting for a time to kind of touch the wall, and people have prayers in it, and all this kind of stuff. So we're there, and it's at the base of where the temple was, and it's a a volatile and beautiful place. But all I want to do is put my hands on this wall and say prayers as people have for so long. And so I'm just standing there and this group gets, and then they move out of the way, and I just have this holy kind of thing that comes on me, a little bit like what we were doing in worship this morning, and this sacredness starts to unload, and it's it's these the stories, they start to weave through, and you start to recognize them from that spirit stuff, and I, I kind of feel that, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm taking part in this thing, and Jesus is here at one point, and like, it just starts to tumble around in my head, and I can't touch the wall, I'm like, I just can't, I can't quite make the move to finish this thing i can't do it and finally i literally force myself just to touch the wall and when i do you know what comes out of me nothing zero things i run completely silent but you're an ordained pastor for 20 years i know it was a tad bit embarrassing between me and the lord as i had nothing to say overwhelmed by the moment and I couldn't get anything out. It was like a blank mind. My heart just racing. My hands on this cool wall in the heat of the day. All these folks around me praying so intensely. And I'm finally like, I don't even know what to do. I don't, ha- I don't have anything thoughtful. And I think that was what I was doing. is I was trying to do something where I could say, God, this is what this means to me. Like that was, you know. But instead, you know what I did? I just stopped and I rested. And the coolest thing happened. It has never happened since, and it did not happen before this. Every single bit of scripture I had ever memorized came out. Didn't take long. I grew up United Methodist, so those of you that are Baptists, you could have been there a while. But for me, several minutes of VBS and some other things. But it was powerful and beautiful and connective and hopeful and the only honest answer that I had. And I don't even think it made any sense. But I realized that it had taken me so many years to get to a place of preparation that once I got to that space, I would have that. And so here's the challenge. Feeling pretty human, pretty unseen, pretty normal? You're perfect. A. B. As you move into this story and the Spirit comes having great questions, perfect, you should disbelieve until you don't. Let God be in charge of that because that'll blow your mind. But don't you dare f- stop questioning. You think the Bible is a book of answers? The Bible is a book of questions, looking for a conversation for a relationship. There are a lot of answers in the Bible, I get it, but I promise that's what this is about. But what we're called to do right now, right now where you don't know exactly what the fullness of your life might be, regardless of your age, young, old, doesn't matter, you don't know the fullness of your life, what you're called to do when you don't know is prepare. Prepare for when God shows up. Read scripture, pray, get discipled, everything that you need to do so that you can be fully who you are woven into the larger story when that moment comes and it might come simply and it might come extraordinary it might be ordinary or it might be extraordinary to try to get into a preacher mode right there but that's what it is We're spending too much time trying to imagine what God has for us in our life and too little time preparing, knowing that when God shows up, we'll see it. And so here's my last little thing for us this morning. Get to know these people in the Christmas story. Know them. Don't let the mall tell you who the shepherds are. Don't let Mariah Carey, God bless her, I guess, of course. Easy. Like let's let's actually kind of walk this out. Let's get these big shows down to a small space and get to know these folks and recognize they're they're just like you and me. Which in one sense is very comforting. And in another sense should be terrifying because in Isaiah it says remember the rock from which you were cut the stone from which you were hewn remember Abraham who is your father and Sarah who gave you birth right you're a part of this story too and that's that final piece and it's my favorite part this story Starts in the dark. It starts in the unknown. It starts in the confusing. It starts in the I don't have enough, I could never, there's no way. All of them do. God does his best work in the dark. So don't feel like because you're in it for some reason you've been passed over it may be your time right now in this story finding out what your story does to intersect this one let's just take about 120 seconds just to quietly reflect on the Scripture, on Mary, on anything that whirling around this morning makes sense to you. Ask yourself, like, where is my story right now? How does Mary's speak to me? Okay? 120 seconds of silence and in prayer and reflection right now.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the Rim Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's Word What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.